Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is a returning guest. That's right. Alex Korb, PhD. He's a neuroscientist, writer, and coach. He has studied the brain for over 15 years, attending Brown University as an undergraduate and later earning his PhD in neuroscience from UCLA. He has published over a dozen peer-reviewed journal articles on depression, neuromodulation, and other topics, and is the author of The Upward Spiral, Using Neuroscience to Reverse the Course of Depression, One Small Change at a Time. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Thanks. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You have helped my sleep in a way that you probably have no idea. In your book, the upward spiral using you mean by snuggling with <laughs> yes. you and whispering sweet nothings into yeah your... I, yeah yeah i mean you smell downy fresh every time <laughs> there's a sensory cue there uh in the book the upward spiral using neuroscience to reverse the course of depression one small change at a time you have four questions in there that one is to ask themselves do you remember what those four questions are no, I'm now I'm intrigued. It's you like asked, what, what makes this night different from all other nights? Uh, no, so it no, was that's, uh, that's that's it's uh, what was uh, my biggest challenge? What was the best part of my day? What made me laugh today? And what am I looking forward to? Mm. Do you yeah. remember those questions in the book? Yeah, yeah. Those four questions are one uh, questions that I ask Michelle on a periodic basis it's a way for us to kind of check in with each other you know at the end of the day you just you're like oh, i've seen you too much i don't know what to say to you anymore you know all <laughs> the things um but this is a way of kind of doing a check because you you think you know all the things and have heard all the things and then you go oh i didn't realize you were struggling with that today um, right or and then it also is a great reminder to laugh because i have a friend um he's also like my masseuse and when she's talking about couples, she'll say that the thing that she notices the most is they don't laugh as much as mm. they used to. And so that question reminds me to laugh. And so now I'm very intentional about us because we can get very caught up in watching dramatic shows like Game mm -hmm. of Thrones or mm -hmm. things like that. And I was like, no, no, we, we need to make sure that we are still laughing together and not going through this trauma. Um, yeah. And, and then it's just something to help tuck me in at night. I, I really do ask myself those. So thank you for that book yeah. and those four questions. Right. And when I tell other people those questions, they're like, I love those questions. Yeah. Awesome. No, I mean, I, I think it's it's great that you're um, you're doing that because like our well-being, whether you're talking about depression or you're just like, no, I want to be happier and be my best self and be more productive and purposeful or whatever. Like uh, that's why like recent years, I've like, haven't focused so much like, well, stop focusing on the diagnosis. Like that's kind of irrelevant, but this, this concept well of well-being is multifaceted. Like you can't just summarize it in one number, like, Oh, this is your depression score. This is your happiness score. Because like, even if, like the concept of happiness is a very slippery and elusive, which is why it's not actually studied that much in science. They study well-being more, which is more precisely defined because we're like, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? 
And sometimes when people think of the word happiness, they're really thinking of, uh, I've decided to call it spring break happiness, which is like the happiness that you feel on spring break where you've been, you know, in school or you're working for so long and you're like, oh, my, I'm just going to Mexico and I'm going to sit margaritas on the beach. And if I feel like surfing, I'm going to go surfing. If I don't, I'm going to sleep in, whatever. And you do whatever you want, whenever you feel like it. And yeah, like that's awesome for about a week or two. And then you're like, okay, but like, I just want to relax with my family or like, oh, but I want to accomplish stuff. Uh, and like do important things or be intellectually challenged or whatever. And like spring break only makes you happy because it's a break from like all of the other important things in your life. And we need breaks. We need to feel positive emotions, but uh, dynamic, resilient well-being is not just having positive emotions all the time. And if we think, if we make that our goal, then it actually undermines our ability to, you know, work hard for things and buckle down and focus. And so like, if you just ask someone like, hey, how are you? Like, did you have a good day? Like, they'd be like, yes or no. But like that, that doesn't actually capture the complexity of it, that you could have had a lot of challenges that were very stressful, but they felt rewarding because you overcame them or no, you didn't overcome them, but you're in the process of working towards some big goal. I'm working to become a doctor so that I can save, you know, orphans in another country. Like, oh, I'm, I'm working in an underfunded public school so no my day wasn't fun but like i know i'm doing something important and oftentimes it's so crucial to to keep those multiple motivations front and center because sometimes we're like yes yeah, it's, it's wonderful when the things that that are in front of us are like fun and just challenging enough and meaningful and engaging and oh we're lucky when sometimes like you know everything lines up but we need to feel engaged we need to feel joyful sometimes we need to have meaningful connections with people and work towards important projects and if you can't do them all at the same time well then okay we just need to spend some time doing something that's meaningful and then uh, take a break and have some fun. And it's helpful to check in with yourself on all those various processes. It sounds like when you, when you mentioned taking a break, taking a break doesn't necessarily entail, and please correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't entail um, just having fun. It means to shift from what you've been doing to doing something else, like, or to shift from one state to the next. So, you know, if you've been having fun for a few weeks to take a break from having fun, sometimes we don't think about yes. taking a break from having fun and getting some work done. And then to take a break from getting work done 
to having fun or doing something more meaningful or engaging or or challenging, right? To right. kind of take yeah. a break from our previous state or current state. Yeah, no, that's a great way to describe it. Uh, because what really at the heart of it is, is that um, your brain is complex and we have multiple motivations because we have multiple different needs. Like you, you need to connect with other people because humans are wired to connect with other people. Um, you're, you also, you know, want to have positive emotions. You also uh, want to accomplish stuff. And uh, when we when we start thinking of ourselves as too one-dimensional, then things start to break down because it really is a matter of understanding yourself. You can't master your own unique neurobiology until you understand yourself. And it starts with realizing, oh, I have these different things that are important to me. So I'm having fun, but like something seems off. Why is that? Oh, because I don't just care about having fun, but, but based on the beliefs that the unhelpful beliefs that people have, they're like, but I, I can't stop doing this because it's, it's fun. I could, I did the other thing it wouldn't be fun and i have to do what's more fun or like oh this is easier or like oh this you know i i can't take this job because that job makes more money okay well you could take that job like what does money mean to you oh well if i had money then i could you know get, buy new clothes and buy a watch or whatever and if i took this other job and i would have less money but it would be more meaningful. Okay, well, what's more important to you at this point in your life? Or what do you need right now at this point in your life? Do you need more fun? Or do you need more meaning? And you might not be able to have both. And those, those things happen at a big level, but also at a small level of like, okay, I've been surfing on Instagram for half an hour. Okay, it's time to buckle down and get some work done. Or, oh, I notice that when I get sucked into Instagram, it's really easy to, you know, I say I'm going to do it for five minutes, but then I do it for an hour. So, okay, I know that just having fun on Instagram is important, is, is, is uh, necessary for, you know, just a little reset. And I know that like getting work done helps me feel accomplished and it's important to me. Oh, but maybe I just need to switch those. So that I, you know, record my podcast and write a blog post, and then I'll go on Instagram because then they actually create an upward spiral um, and make me feel more fulfilled. And then I also get to enjoy the break instead of feeling guilty about it. But you really have to start with recognizing that your brain is complex and you have these multiple needs because you are human and. I'm going to give you permission and all of your listeners permissions that it's okay to be human. Well, and, and I love that you're, you're talking about it in terms of needs, because I, I know that some people talk about like your inner child and your adult self. And really what we're 
basically talking about is we as an individual where we are have different needs and it, it and you can you can call it your inner child sure if that yeah. helps you to contextualize it but um even i mean but that but then there on some level you're, it it sounds like we're saying that adults don't want to have fun like only our inner child wants to have fun it's like no mm-hmm. as an adult we want to have fun it's just going to look different than what it looked like when we were nine years old Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's also, I'm glad you brought up the idea of inner child because there are many descriptions that we can have of these processes that are metaphors and they can be useful metaphors because you go, I get it. Oh, inner child. Oh, I need to be compassionate and I need to have fun and whatever. And like the adult in me is like, okay, I need to pay bills and get work done or whatever. And like, okay, if that thinking in terms of those metaphors helps you do all those things and find the right balance. Like, great. Like you, you, you can stop there. What I found for me is, and for a lot of other smart, skeptical, purpose-driven people is that there's this like, okay, it's not satisfactory to have that metaphor you want to be like, yeah, but, but why is that metaphor? Like, is that accurate? Is that actually what's happening in your brain? And the irony is the desire to try and understand it on a deeper level actually gets in the way. Because if you could be like, no, yeah, you have an inner child, just take care of your inner child. And you'd be like, oh, okay, great. I'll just do all these things. Then you would do all these things and you'd be better off. But like your quote unquote good quality of like wanting to think deeply about things and wanting to understand things that helps you in so many areas of your life. Sometimes it gets in your way because instead of just like taking someone's word for it or like, Oh yeah, let me just try it. Like you, you're like, no, I won't let myself try it until I understand it. And that's where the neuroscience was so helpful to me for a lot of these simple interventions that I would just dismiss, like, oh, um, breathing deep. Oh, you're just like, it's a spiritual thing or like, oh, gratitude. Oh, you're just what you're sending, you're manifesting and you're sending your energy waves out into the universe. And like, that seems like total BS. And, uh, and then I was like, Oh, reading all these different research studies that like, oh, this actually like focusing on your happy memories actually modulates production of the neurotransmitter serotonin. And like thinking about the things that you appreciate in your life, oh, that changes the activity in the brainstem region that produces dopamine. And so then I was like, oh, these things are actually supported by science. Maybe I should try them or like, oh, breathing. Okay, I'm not just, it's not just like some ritual. It's like, oh, no, this is, if you slow down your breathing to this frequency and actually shift your um, brain, your brain and body from the fight or flight stress response towards the complementary parasympathetic rest and digest response. It's just like literally, yep, when you're stressed, 
your breathing goes up. When your breathing rate goes up, your brain's like, oh, I must be stressed. And it's like this feedback loop. And you can't just say, I'm not stressed, but you can slow your breathing down and that will shift the balance. And so all of these things that I, I started to realize like, oh, this is, no, this is real. And the funny thing is, right? Like you could just try it and experience it for yourself and be like, oh yeah, that does help me. But if you're too cerebral, if you're too much of an adult, you're like, no, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to dismiss my own experience. And so as I realized that this was so helpful for me to appreciate all these things and start doing all of these things. And I was like, oh, as long as we're telling stories to people to get them to do it, we might as well make those stories like reflect what is actually happening in your brain. So, you know, when you talk about the inner child, well, you have parts of your brain that were basically fully formed when you were born and can't change those, like how emotionally reactive your, your um, limbic system is, or like how much your, um, your striatum it biases you to be impulsive or patient. Like these are just traits that you have. And other parts slowly develop until you're like 25, like the prefrontal cortex. And what we need to do is like a lot of times when people hear me talk about the prefrontal cortex as like, oh, this is the adult that regulates these lower level regions and makes you not too impulsive and like calms down your emotions. People are like, ah, okay. So I just need to rely on my prefrontal cortex to suppress my emotions and inhibit all my impulses. No, but it's possible to be too much of an adult and you suck all of the fun and enjoyment out of your life. And you're like, huh, why do I feel like I'm on a treadmill? It's like, because you're not supporting your inner child. Sure, you can go with that. Like that's one description, but like, okay, on just a more technical level, ah, because you're not finding the right balance between the prefrontal cortex and these emotional circuits and these habit and reward circuits to, to actually um, get done all of the important stuff, which is not just make more money. It is also connect with people and also just not get work done so I can enjoy my time on spring break. But that is a, uh, like the, the overall framework of that is something that I can explain to you. I'm like, hey, this is how the brain works. But figuring out the exact right balance for your unique neurobiology and your um, specific circumstances, that is an experiment that you have to do yourself. And that's one of the reasons I started offering coaching is because I was like, oh, well, yeah, you could read the book and just say, oh, great, this is awesome. Like, try and figure it all out on your own. But it's like, oh, if you want like me to help guide you through that, oh, sure. Like I can, I can be a coach, even though like it sounds cheesy to me to be a coach, but it's like, oh, that is meaningful <laughs> to me and enjoyable to me to help people figure out their own unique neurobiology.
Yeah, you know, because as part of your your coaching program, you help smart, successful people unleash their brains' full potential and productivity, purpose, and peace of mind. Yeah. Where do you typically start with that? Um, well, one of the things I start with is helping people understand that their brain is complex in a similar way to I, that I just described. Because a lot of times, if you're smart and successful, you're like, okay, everything's going right. But like, why do I just, I just can't, you know, I have this big project that I want to do. I want to create an app or I want to write a novel or something. But like, ugh, I, you know, I keep having all this other stuff come up and like, I'm not doing the things that I really want to do. I'm just doing this grunt work or whatever, like. And we we frame it as like um, there's something wrong with me, and, and really that's what I'm trying. Like the helpful thing to understand about the brain is like no, the brain is complex, and different parts of your brain want different things, and that's a good thing. And particularly when you're you're smart and successful, we often experience our emotions as being an obstacle. Like oh. I would get all of this stuff done, except for like, uh, I just don't feel motivated enough or like I'm too stressed out or whatever. And so we experience our emotions as an obstacle when in fact, when you actually understand the brain, you realize like, oh, there's not something wrong with my brain or like the emotions. It's just like, oh, I just, I'm just like too much in goal-oriented mode and I'm I'm getting in my own way, like a marathon runner who is running too fast. Yes, you want to run as fast as possible, but if you're like, oh, why do I keep collapsing at mile 20? Oh, I just need to run harder. I need to train harder. Well, no, you're you're not acknowledging how the body works. Like the human body isn't capable of doing this. And the same thing with the brain. Like you might have an amazing, remarkable brain and you know that. But however amazing and remarkable your brain is, like you have limitations. Just like, you know, Michael Jordan, he could dunk from the free throw line. Oh, that's amazing. But you know what he didn't do? Dunk from half court. He would have looked absurd and ridiculous and he would have fallen on his face. And so we think about all of it. <laughs> We think about all of his amazing talents and abilities, but if he had, had didn't accept that, like, oh, well, I can only jump, you know, 14 feet, I can't jump 18 feet or whatever, then he wouldn't have unleashed it. And part of your challenge as someone who is really talented and successful and you know it, even if you don't always feel like it, it's because there are some limitations that your brain has, just like little tiny ones over here and there that you just, oh, I can work 12 hours a day, but I can't work 14 hours or whatever. Or I, I can do that for a week, but I can't do that for a year. And so starting, that's where I start with helping people understand the complexity of their brain. And then one of the first exercises that I have them do is um is, this is in research that the woman who 
popularized this approach is I think she called it the best possible self exercise. I, I sometimes describe it as your ideal future self. And it's essentially this notion that your brain is really good, particularly the prefrontal cortex is really good at focusing on everything that could go wrong. And it evolved that way to protect you so that, um, like, I think I describe it in the upward spiral as like, you know, there are two cavemen and they came to a cave and one of them was like, oh, this is like a great place to sleep. And the other one is like, uh, I'm not so sure. And the first one's like, whatever. And he's like, went in and he got eaten by a bear. And the other one is your great, 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 great grandfather. <laughs> because uh, if you, you can anticipate when you might be in danger and avoid it before you're even in danger, like that's a really helpful quality. And so your prefrontal cortex is like, oh, like thinking about chess, like, oh, I could move there. Oh, but then he would take the, my piece or, oh, I can move there, but then this would happen. So like, it's figuring out like, oh, what are the things I shouldn't do? And that is an amazing, remarkable feat of evolution that sometimes gets in your way because then you like overthink things and you second guess yourself and whatever. Uh, but the prefrontal cortex also has this remarkable capacity for imagination. Like, you know, if you create an app or you write a novel, that's something that doesn't exist. And so you have to say, no, I'm going to sit in front of my computer and like write this thing. No one's encouraging you to do it. No one's paying you to do it. Like you just have to be guided by your imagination. And that's in fact, the same thing that little kids do. Like, hey, we're going to play store. You're playing, write an app. You're making it up as you go along. Literally no one else has done it before. And it is play. Um, anyway, the point is that like our prefrontal cortex also has this remarkable capacity to imagine things that don't yet exist and to think about how things could go right. And we just don't always do that automatically. And so I do this ideal future self exercise of like, hey, imagine your life six months from now. You've made all the right decisions, all of your hard work has paid off. What does your life look like right now? Oh, I have a new job. Oh, I moved to a new city. I have a girlfriend, whatever. Like, oh, you know, I've traveled to Paris. Like, what does it feel like? Be specific about that. And sometimes that's really hard for people. Because part of the reason they're stuck is because they can't, they're so wrapped up in the rat race and accomplishing all of these hectic goals that they don't even have a clear idea of like, well, why am I doing all of this? So yeah, I could do this paperwork and then do this more paperwork, but then I'll just have more paperwork. And if you, you don't have this bigger concept of like where you're headed and why, then it makes it harder for the prefrontal cortex to override your habits and impulses because it's always easier to follow your habits and impulses. So if your habits are saying like, okay, we'll just go on Instagram. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't I just go on Instagram? I feel like doing it. It would make me happy for the next minute. 
if you don't have a reason that your prefrontal cortex can be like, oh, yeah, we could do that. You're right. Like it would make you happier for the next minute. Ah, but it would make you less happy for the next week because you didn't get it. So like, well, what is it that you want at this moment? And what is it that you need? Do you need more positive emotions temporarily? Because you need to take, you know, that kind of break. Great. Do that. Oh, do you need to get more done or make more progress towards these big, important goals that you have? Oh, well, then you could do that. And yeah, you can't say, oh, but I want the important thing to also be the fun, easy thing. Okay, well, deal with that inner child. <laughs> like once you, once you deal with that temper tantrum that you can't have everything that you want exactly at the same time when you want it, well, you can choose which, which of these is important. And the only way to understand how to make that choice is if you understand your own brain well enough to say like, oh, right, this is what's most important to me. And I don't want to have to choose, but if I had to choose, I can at least choose to move towards the thing that's most important to me. And knowing the other pieces, knowing what your limitations are. It's like, oh, I'd love to do both. Oh, I can't do both at the same time. That creates emotions, which push you back into your old habits. And so you say, okay, given that I can't do both at the same time, I can at least move towards the piece that's most important to me. And, um, and that option is always available to you. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy uh, or that everything's going to feel meaningful and purposeful. It just means that you at least get to stop getting in your own way. And just like, just bring it back to the basketball analogy, like, okay, you can't teach someone to be taller. And maybe even if I, you know, tried as hard as I could, I would never be able to dunk. I could certainly jump higher, but like at some point, I'm like, oh, I can't dunk. Oh, well, I don't need to dunk. I'm going to be the best defender and passer and dribbler and shooter. And so like, oh, because my goal is just be an amazing basketball player. Oh, I don't have to dunk in order to do that. I could do all these other things. And when you're clear about what's important to you and what your limitations are, then it frees you up to focus all of your time and effort on the things that are important to you, that you have control over, instead of constantly being distracted by all the things that are unimportant or uncontrollable or both. I love that. If people want to work with you, wh where can they reach out to you for coaching? Oh, yeah. Um, you can go to my website, alexcorbphd.com. I have um, some free resources there, including a this um, six-step positive neuroscience guide to conquering overthinking. Because a lot of times people, like, they're stuck in their head. And I just have this, I think it's like a 12-page PDF that, like, just explains some of these basic ideas and some simple steps that you can take. And that'll also get you on my mailing list. Um, they can also follow me. Um, at Alex Corb PhD on Instagram. Um, but yeah, like get some of those resources and get on my mailing list at alexcorbphd.com or 
start following me at Alex Ford PhD on Facebook or Instagram. I love it. Penultimate question. I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them? Yeah. Well, that, um, I remember that question from last time I was on and it's very related to what I was just talking about, the sense of choice, because I realize a lot of this is kind of similar to the concept of existentialism. And this, um, this author, Camus, wrote this whole big, long essay called The Myth of Sisyphus, that he starts out essentially saying, like, all these other philosophical questions are irrelevant until you decide, like, well, is life worth living or not? And ultimately, he came to the conclusion, like, oh, because you have this choice that creates freedom, you don't get to decide the circumstances that you're in. You don't get to decide the shit that happens to you. You just get to say, oh, well, at least I can choose to move towards this thing that's important to me. And I'm creating part of my own suffering by holding on to some of these things that do in fact suck that I don't have control over. But once I recognize, oh, that's the piece, like, yes, it sucks. I shouldn't deny my experience of this. This does suck. It's awful. It's terrible. And yet I don't have control over it. And it's my holding on to that feeling and frustration that creates more problems. And once you realize like, oh, I can, can let go of that toxic person. Yep. They're shitty. They're terrible. They're awful. They're bullying me. Yep. That is true. And it creates these terrible feelings. All I can choose is like, okay, my attitude is like, what am I going to move towards that is important to me? And that is the, the bigger question that is most helpful. And if you ever feel overwhelmed by that big question, that's fine. Just go for a walk. Get it like <laughs> go uh do anything other than what your habit circuit is pulling you into. And so that's why it's like that balance of yeah, have this big picture idea and the sense of freedom that you can move towards whatever's important to you. And also if that's ever too much, great. Just Take a quick break, have some fun, it. hang out with your friends, whatever. And then last question, what are you looking forward to in the next 24 hours? Oh, awesome. Well, I have my um, weekly coaching call with my coaching clients tomorrow. I always look forward to that group call um, because, you know, I love, like, I like talking about this stuff. <laughs> as you can uh, see, and I like writing about it, but like what I love the most is like helping people directly, like, oh, just overcome their own uh, unhelpful beliefs or just like to see, have a little mindset shift. So like, oh, it opens things up. So that's always um, one of my highlights is getting to, you know, just talk to my clients directly and, and help them. I love it. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the 800 numbers. You can chat, talk, text. Go to thrivewithleo.com. 
for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you, Alex. Thank you.